0: Nation. You're invited to take your seat. Take a seat. At the Warriors Roundtable. Left side, it's a three. In and out, rebound, out to Curry. Let's it fly. Three ball. Left corner pocket. Welcome to the table. On the exclusive home of your Golden State Warriors. 95-7 the game. Curry
1: fires away. Three ball
0: from the bridge. Here's Kevin Danner. <laughs> Gary
2: St. Jean. What up, ladies and gentlemen? Good evening. We welcome you to Warriors Roundtable on 95 7, the game. Kevin Dan alongside Gary St. Jean talking Warriors shooty hoop with you all hour long from 6 to 7 p.m. Taking your calls 888 957 9570 if you want to discuss the loss to the Lakers last night, the epic Game 7 in Sacramento, Game 2 adjustments. We're discussing it all over the next. 57 minutes or so and let's start with the game one lost the most immediate thing 117 uh, 112 defeat at the hands of LA and Anthony Davis and LeBron James what a performance by the brow that we'll get to in a little bit but let's just start with some overall feelings Saint because I thought Gary that coming off such an emotional series that It was going to be close to impossible for Golden State to hold home court through the first two games. I was expecting a loss in either game one or game two. So right now, I'm chilling. I'm not too worried, but you don't want to get down to nothing. So take care of game two, and I think everything's going to be all right.
1: Well, Kev, there's an old adage amongst coaches that the best game to steal in a series is the first game on the road. And the Lakers were rested. Uh, they felt really good about themselves. They came in and played a terrific basketball game. I don't think the Warriors were really subpar. I think the biggest uh, adjustment was the style of play. Uh, you're in that King series, and you're going up and down, and you know nothing uh, impressed me more, for example, than Steph Curry. You, you're the stat guy. He, he must have had 10 layups in that 50-point game. Yeah. I don't know if he had one layup last night, and that's how good Anthony Davis was. So it's a very very different type of team you're playing. And uh but I'm like you. Uh I'm confident that they're going to bounce back and find a way. You know, because of Davis's history of inconsistency, and if a, a terrific small team plays a good big team, the small team can win if in fact they rebound well.
2: Yeah, and last night, they did not get pounded on the glass. They lost the rebounding edge 53-49, so it was more or less even. And second chance points actually were even 14-14, so that wasn't what cost them the game. Now, despite the optimism I have, you would think that a game in which Golden State was plus 45 from beyond the arc Mm. and had 30 assists to 8 turnovers, that sounds like an automatic W, but obviously they did not win despite those stats last night. It, it kind of feels like uh, if you want to take the negative Nancy approach to this, if you're not going to win that game where you are, you make 15 more threes and you have basically a four-to-one assist to turnover ratio, you're plus five in points off turnovers, which game are you going to win? Well,
1: sometimes stats can be a little deceiving, and, you know, one of yes. the things that stuck out to me was uh, the free throw line. And, you know, during the broadcast, you you can hear Ham talking about the fact, get arms up, arms up, and we don't want to reach, and we don't want to commit falls. Well, what's been a nemesis for the Warriors all year long is, is committing falls. And on the other side of the coin, they did a good job of not committing falls. The Warriors didn't have many free throw attempts. And when I look at this thing, I say to myself, you know, you, 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 you didn't get a great game out of anybody uh, last night, and yet you had a shot to win. And yeah. I, I think if they get back to in their groove and everybody just plays up to their level, I think they can get a W.
2: You you mentioned the coaches shouting for their players to get their hands up. You know who had his hands up late with 10 seconds to go? Darvin Ham trying to contest that Jordan pool three. Now, he he wasn't super (laughs) close to him. I don't think it affected Jordan's shot, but that was kind of funny to see. You you touched on this, Gary, that this might be a long series, but everything else is going to be a lot different from Sacramento. That's the point you were making, that it's going to be such a different series from the Kings. I mean, the Lakers have a lot more rim protection, and it's not just Anthony Davis. I mean, you take a look yeah he had four blocks but LeBron had three blocks Jared Vanderbilt had two blocks heck even D'Angelo Russell had a block in that game obviously you don't look at him as a rim protector but I I, I was just thinking down the stretch you, Stephen Curry trying to get into the paint runs into Anthony Davis like I, I and the the Warriors realized they weren't going up against with all due respect to DeMontis Sabonis but they aren't going up against DeMontis Sabonis anymore
1: well and, and that's the truth and and I don't know that there's much debate when he's healthy and playing like he did in the bubble. That's what he looked like last night. And, and then you say to yourself, that's one of the top five players in the entire league. Uh, I just, LeBron is is super, super intelligent uh, basketball IQ. Uh, We've talked about, you better watch out, say out of timeouts. He knows your plays. He can anticipate, get a steal. He still can get to the basket. I don't know if he's going to up in tomahawk. I I think his foot is bothering him some, and uh, I think it's going to hold him back. And I think your thought process was him with him is to make you make him beat you over the top because his three point shooting is really really down and. Uh, you know, the two guys that really, the guys that surprised me, and they I got to give them credit, were Schroeder and Russell. I'm not a fan yeah. of either one of them, but I thought uh, defensively Schroeder was good and his mid-range game was good and Russell made some big shots. I'm telling you, Kev, the guy that just stuck out to me was Jared Vanderbilt. Oh, man. Love him. I, uh, and you probably know a lot about him. I Gosh, that guy impressed me with his D on, on Steph to the point where a lot of basketball people today were talking about that the ball ought to be in Steph's hands more so that he can then create a via the pick or a blow-by versus trying to run off of screens, because this guy's so good. We use the expression lock and trail, meaning you take your inside shoulder and you put it in the shoulder blades of the guy you're trying to guard. So that'd be Vanderbilt getting his inside shoulder into Steph's shoulder blades, and just trail out. Don't go over the top of the screen because you can't get Steph any daylight. And if you lock and trail and do that job, you'll stay with him. He was terrific, and I I think he's
2: a big, big concern. I want to get into that a little bit later, what the Warriors should do with Steph. But since you mentioned Jared Vanderbilt and and for – The the fans uh, listening at home who who don't know a ton about Jared Vanderbilt, he basically played his way out of the NBA like four years ago. He started the 18-19 season in the G League with the Rio Grande Valley Vipers, a team that also had Gary Payton II on it, uh, and and they won a G League championship. But uh, I remember watching Vanderbilt, I think it was the 2018 Summer League with Denver, and I'm like... Man, this guy plays his tail off. I absolutely love this guy. I I, I fell for him as a player in 2018 Summer League, and, and he's been one of my favorite hmm. players in the league ever since. And you, you see what he could do. He's just such a disruptor defensively. And, and I, I think when you talk about LeBron with respect to the Lakers and – He just has more institutional knowledge going up against Golden State than any (laughs) other player out there. I mean, the the Kings obviously didn't have the playoff experience. We'll get to that game seven after the break. But, I mean, you just see how deferential he was in a – Post game interview yeah. with Mike Mike Trudell yep. uh, for for Spectrum Sportsnet. Like he he's not going to make the Malik Monk mistake of saying oh the Warriors are old. Well, obviously he's not twenty five twenty six like Malik. You know LeBron's thirty eight. Uh, but still he he's not going to quote unquote. Poke the bear as uh, as Dylan Brooks might, and he is not going to let his teammates give the Warriors any kind of fodder. Because as silly as it may sound, the Warriors do kind of feed off that, and it does give them that little extra rev in their engine.
1: Well, there's no doubt, and I, I think there is mutual respect for both teams. Uh, you know when uh, it, it's earned, it really is with LeBron and the Warrior guys. All these championship battles. And, uh, you know, we know the player that Davis is. We've talked about those point guards. We've talked about Vanderbilt. The other key guy to me is Austin Reeves. Uh, Yeah. And he might be somebody the Warriors go at more uh, tomorrow night. Uh, He's really – he looks like leave it to Beaver. And uh, (laughs) for me, uh, the kid knows how to play basketball. He can make a shot. He puts the ball on the floor. He threw a lob uh, pass last night to LeBron. I, he's, um, he's a gritty, tough kid who's a key piece to their team. Um, you know, I, I, I look at Troy Brown, and I don't think he's much of a factor. I, frankly, he was terrible uh, on defense last night. And the guy that I think, I don't know, we're going to see as the series goes on. I don't know if there's a place on the floor for a lot of minutes for Rui Hashimura, who played terrific in the last series, making a lot of shots. I don't know what's going to happen for him as the series goes on.
2: Yeah, Austin Reeves really became a big part of their offense after the trade deadline. After they really overhauled yeah. that roster and really had some nice games in the regular season. In the first, I mean, he won game one for them in the Memphis series and with ten points, five five rebounds, three assists, no turnovers last night uh, for the Lakers. i would like to remind you that the twenty twenty three playoffs are presented by Kaiser Permanente and the Warriors are in the Western Conference semifinals. Join us live at Chase Center tomorrow, May fourth, for game two against the Los Angeles Lakers presented by Oracle. All fans and attendance will receive a gold-blooded shirt. Get your tickets now at warriors.com or call 888-GSW-HOOP. Representatives are standing by. We are going to take a break. When we come back, we'll talk a little bit about Jordan Poole's performance last night. We'll get into what Anthony Davis was able to do, a legendary stat line that few lakers and just nba players have been able to produce in a playoff game and we'll take a look back at the game seven win in sacramento on sunday all that coming up on the other side of the break right here on 95.7 the game
0: each and every member of dub nation has a seat at this table
2: if everybody would please take your
1: seats
0: the warriors Roundtable has returned on 95.7 the game no. down straight up we about 28
2: feet. Now back to Kevin Dana and Gary St. Jean. Famed musician and singer-songwriter Brian Adams is coming to Chase Center on Sunday, July 30th with very special guest Joan Jett and the Blackhearts. Get your tickets now at ChaseCenter.com. Welcome back to the Warriors Roundtable on 95.7 The Game. Folks, Kevin Dana alongside Gary St. Jean. You can talk to us for the next 40 minutes or so. is the number. Let's get back into that. Game one loss last night, 117-112 to the Lake Show. And it was a a big game from Jordan Poole, by far his best game of this postseason. But I want to start with the potential game-tying shot with 10 seconds left because that has been sports talk fodder on TV, and on the radio, uh, podcast, wherever you go. And, And, Gary, I wanted to hear it from your perspective here 29 feet away from the hoop or so pool has a look to tie it up does not get it what did you think of that shot I'll tell you my thoughts after
1: well I'm going to share with you that I think it's imperative that everybody on the floor knows time and score uh that and knows the shot clock situation and uh the Lakers did a very smart thing putting a hit on Steph Curry. I, I, yep. I just think it's a smart play, get the ball out of his hands. And Draymond was the second big down the floor, so he's in the trailer position, and they were both around midcourt. And when Steph comes across, that half-court line and the sideline are an ally because they they box you in. So he makes the pass to Steph. I wish he was just a little bit closer. I, I'm old and I'm I'm greedy. I, I just want more. <laughs> I thought the guy played a very nice game. He didn't turn the ball over. He made threes. He's trying on the defensive end. But when I read the, looked at the play back again, I thought he could have easily, easily, if he'd known the clock, gotten to the three-point line and And as is, he caught it, and and his body didn't look like it was all in sync. Here's another thing, and you correct me if I'm wrong. I think he got the ball with approximately 10 seconds. Yeah, that's right. Is that correct? That's correct. So for me, if it's not the three, how about a draw and kick where you just go like heck toward the rim, get that wing defender to drop in, and there's Clay Thompson for a three. And I'll be honest with you. I'd go to the bank with him, step with uh, Clay Thompson every day of the week before uh, Jordan Poole.
2: Yeah, I I would too. I'll, I'll play a little devil's advocate here, though. Ten seconds to go. You're not. I'm not sure if you were guaranteed a better shot just with the way the Lakers True. were defending Stephen True. Curry, and, and yep. it looked wide open. But there was also Jared Vanderbilt flying into contest. So, like, if he took a step in, I think Vanderbilt gets there, and he no longer has a look. So, to me, I, I, we've seen the Warriors bumble that situation time and time again this year, <laughs> where they don't take a potential shot, they try to get something better, and it winds up in a turnover. So, I'd rather the shot be taken. Then maybe Jordan Poole starts playing with his food a little bit, which he hadn't done in that game for the most part. You mentioned it, no yeah. turnovers. And he's actually, the last four games, despite having quite a few shot turnovers in game six, he's had four straight games with one or zero turnovers. So he has taken very good care of the basketball. And, and you know, out, outside of that shot, I, like you, Gary, I thought. He had a a really good game. I mean, he's 6 of 11 from deep, 21 points. I thought he only took two bad threes and he made both of those threes like the the one where he tried to draw a foul and he just flipped it up and in it, it was a foul when I watched it back but I think the, the one <laughs> on when Schroeder was poking him he just kind of flings one up at the rim I think he got that from Steph uh, and yeah. that one happened to go in and then there was another one where he did draw a foul and got a four-point play I thought that was a, a really bad shot going up but hey he made it and you, I guess you got to tip your cap but in order for the Warriors to win this series, they're going to need more of the Jordan Poole we saw yeah. last night and less of the Jordan Poole we saw against the Kings.
1: Yeah, and uh, I think that four-point was against D'Angelo Russell. And yep. again, I, I'm expressing my age. You you have to explain to me, what was the gesture of the piano keys with his fingers toward That's Russell? That's a-
2: <laughs> I don't what know that one. That? That, the, I, I, it was entertaining to me, but I, I, I couldn't tell you what it actually meant.
1: You know what? Again, in the old days, if you did that, the next time he went to the hoop, he was on the floor.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, but anyway,
1: you're, you're right in what you're saying, Kev, that he's got to play at a high level. And uh, uh, the Lakers, it, it's a really a contrast in style of play it's it's big versus small it's a team that wants to control the tempo uh they want paint points uh they're gonna block shots in there they want to out rebound you they're gonna slow down they're gonna go to two superstars and uh, you know we talked about the the importance of the three ball was you noted the stats i mean when you put up stats like the warriors did you think you're gonna have great control and win the game uh but uh I just I give them credit. They they played a heck of a game and I think it's maybe just an awakening that this is gonna be a heck of a series.
2: Yeah, and the reason why they didn't control the game, Gary, was because of one Anthony Davis, the unibrow. Thirty Ooh. points, twenty three rebounds, five assists four block shots check check out this company he joined Elgin Baylor Will Chamberlain Kareem Abdul Jabbar and Shaquille O'Neal is the only Lakers to post a 30-20 stat line in the playoffs and then he joined Tim Duncan as the only players in the last 45 years with 30 points 20 rebounds five assists and three blocks in a playoff game just unbelievable numbers from AD last night you know
1: what he was tremendous uh but again uh he can fall down uh tomorrow night and, and grabbing his yep. hip or his ankle or whatever i I don't know but if but if he puts games together like this for the whole series uh it it's gonna be very troublesome for the warriors
2: yeah no yeah absolutely but that that is the question He has been inconsistent. Can he do this three more times, and also can he play forty four minutes every other night for seven True. games? He did not come out in the second half, i mean that's a big workload for a guy that has a very troubling injury history. Well, that, that's very,
1: very true. And, uh, you know, I, I just – he's got a history. And that's why we're, we're bringing that point out. And uh, so with that said, you, you want to run him. And I think you want to get – they're trying to play a drop coverage with him sagging back in the paint. I think we talked about that's against pick and roll. Conceivably, you get him involved in the pick and roll. Let him stay back, and that's going to create shots for Steph or Clay. I mean, there's there's ways you want to go at him. Hey, encouraging. He remember that that three he shot from the right corner. Take about yeah. five more of those if you want to, and take <laughs> about ten mid range sixteen footers. Go ahead if you want to. His whole key is paint touches, yep. offensive rebounds, and if he gets those. That's when he's really, really dangerous.
2: Warriors Basketball Academy, powered by Rakuten, has announced their summer camp schedule with locations throughout the Bay Area. These sessions are for boys and girls ages 7 to 15 of all skill levels and abilities. Visit gswacademy.com to learn more. We'll talk a little more about the Lakers series in a little bit, but let's take a break to relive the Game 7 win in Sacramento. Gary, I was there. It was an unbelievable atmosphere. I went to two of those playoff games in Sacramento, and it was an absolute masterpiece from Stephen Curry. I feel blessed to be able to have watched that in person. I mean, 50 points, 8 rebounds, 6 assists. I'll start with this. Where do you rank this Steph postseason performance? I mean, some other contenders you'd have to think about. Game five of the 2015 NBA Finals against Cleveland, where he had 37. Game four, 2016, second round at Portland, when he came back from injury. Game six, 2019, second round at Houston, where he didn't score in the first half, but had 33 in the second half. And then game four, the 2022 Finals at Boston, where he scored 43 to to rescue the Warriors from a 3-1 potential series deficit. Where where do you put this one for Steph?
1: Well, to me, it's side-by-side with the Boston game uh that game there he went in there and boston was ready to take care of business yeah. and he said no 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 <laughs> and he he just played phenomenal and and as you said the other night we we got to sit back and for all the young fans that are watching this phenomenal player you watched greatness uh in that game 7 that was Masterful. He he was magnificent, and you know I brought out the point when we first started. Kevy must have had you know again. You're on top of things. I I swear to God he had eight to ten layups because he had twenty two
2: points of the paint.
1: He did okay because yes. they just kept running at him, and he found a way to get threes threes off in an acrobatic fashion. But then. When they ran by him, you know he put it down, and then he dribble penetrated, and they didn't have Anthony Davis, so he got in there and made all these circus shots and runners and all that kind of thing, and it was it was just uh, a magnificent performance, and you know they needed it because a lot of the other guys didn't have their best game, and uh, but you know evidently you read the comments of Draymond and the other guys that he talked to the team. And uh, they felt like, you know, they looked in his eyes and he he gave them the look that, uh, hey, I'm going to take care of this. I'm there. I'm going to lead us and we're going to take care of this game seven.
2: Well, let's hear from Steph after the game. This is what he had to say about the Sacramento series and being really aggressive in game seven.
3: It was a really fun series. It was tough from game one to to game seven, and it was kind of the vibe of, of different adjustments from game to game, and based on how game six went we knew that they were probably going to stick to the same kind of formula playing mostly small you know different rotations and that allowed us to kind of go back to the drawing board on how we wanted to attack their defense and keep the game as simple as possible and to the pace that that we like it and that was a lot of pick and roll a lot of just organized offense that gave us a good start got some some good looks to to open up the game and that allowed us to connect our offense and defense together we say that a lot and that's a big part of of who we are and and how we were successful so for me it was just about being aggressive in that scheme and being as consistent as possible and obviously i got up 38 shots for a reason because you know we we started to see where the holes were and i could be ultra aggressive to get looks and it
2: worked hey gary here here's the thing for me with respect to to that game seven. He really wasn't even on a heater in that game. I mean, he was seven of 18 for three, which is good. Don't get me wrong. It's like 39%, but it's not Stephen Curry detonating from downtown. It was just a pure barrage that overwhelmed Sacramento. I mean, a career high 38 field goal attempts and you hit more than half. You're going to get a lot of good things done. It was just incredible to see. Yeah, I I, I agree with you. He
1: He made every shot that you could think of in a horse game.
2: Uh, It
1: it was just masterful. And, uh, you know, he's he's taking these runners at 14 feet and then these acrobatic paint finishes with left, right, with English juice on the ball. And as you said, the threes, uh, you know, it it was – everyone just kind of smiled. If if you know him – He's not out there, you know, grandiose, bravado, that kind of thing. He just uh, was out there in workmanlike fashion,
2: and he was masterful. It was masterful from him. It was masterful from Kevon Looney as well. I mean, 11 oh. points, 21 rebounds, four assists, didn't turn it over. I mean, he absolutely broke Sacramento's will in the second half with offensive rebound after offensive rebound, kicking it out. Multiple opportunities at the rim. And Golden State had 18 offensive rebounds in that game, and they were plus eight in second-chance points. And Kevon Looney had 10 of those offensive rebounds. I mean, he is—he had another 23-rebound game last night. So he has four 20-plus rebound performances this postseason, and he was huge in Game 7.
1: Well, Kev, you know this. Uh, you know, the great point guards uh, in the old days used to get more excited about making a great pass and a guy making a shot. Than they would uh, making a, a basket themselves. Well, when you look at him, I love what he said uh, after the game. He said, "I get such enjoyment out of getting an offensive rebound and kicking it out and watching one of my teammates knock down a shot." I mean, that's yeah. the the epitome of unselfishness, uh, and that's that's who he is. And uh, I said it last week. I, I'm thrilled for the guy that the respect he's getting uh nationally he he's just been phenomenal and you know uh hopefully they can do a little better job uh, with help on on Davis tomorrow night he still had a great rebounding game but hopefully they can uh do there's an expression do your work early try yeah. to not let him catch the ball in these deep positions and uh and if we can do that then you give yourself a better chance to win
2: well in the words of Bonte Hill Uh, of the morning roast, Kevon Looney will forever eat for free in the Bay Area. He has become just an absolute fan favorite over the last couple of years, and it's well-deserved for Looney. I want to talk a little Clay Thompson from this game too because he had a horrible shooting night, but he played very good defense. Mm. He was a plus 30, a team-high plus 30 in 35 minutes, and he did hit a couple of big shots, and and I want to pose this to you. How many players, Gary, could go one for 10 in the first half of a game seven on the road with your season and and some might say potentially your dynasty coming to an end and Mm. then hit three big buckets in the third quarter, including a monster four point play that gave Golden State a 10 point lead going into the fourth and Sacramento never threatened from there. I mean, to me what Clay did was pretty special, even though he was four of 19 from the field and two of 10 from downtown.
1: Well, if you ask people around the NBA, that'd be a resume of Clay Thompson. They have the utmost respect for him, a winner, a competitor, a defender. And Oh, by the way, this great three point shooter. And as he said, being a veteran, He knew he wasn't, uh, he wasn't feeling it, shooting the ball. And he hung in there and made those baskets in the third, which were a big catalyst. But he he also shared that he knew he had to do some things uh, besides scoring to help the team win. Now, uh, that could have been defense, that could have been rebounding, could have been pick setting, whatever. And he did that. And Listen, I don't care if the guy's one for ten. you got to be crazy if you're an opponent to just say, oh, we don't have to guard him tonight, to just leave him wide open. So he earns that respect of of a defender. And uh, to me, that just tells you who Klay Thompson is.
2: Yeah, it was an incredible, incredible series. This last point I'll make before we kind of look forward to game two against the Lakers tomorrow night at Chase Center as great as the series was game 7 was really the first time where it felt like golden state had been there and sacramento hadn't because once it got to the fourth quarter you could see sacramento tightening up i mean i'm in the building i'm i'm in the second deck and i just knew that shots that sacramento that they were putting up just weren't going to go in i mean kegan murray had this Really kind of awkward-looking runner in the lane that didn't have a chance. DeMontis Sabonis, by that, he started the game like 7 for 9 mm. and finished 10 for 16. So he missed four of his last seven shots. And there, there was a shot he took from like 17 feet when they're down 16 in the fourth quarter. I'm like, this shot has no chance of going in. Like They just looked absolutely zapped in the fourth quarter.
1: Well, you know, it's a game of chess. And, and you know, uh, the, in the beginning, sagging off Sabonis uh, really knocked the, the Kings out of whack. And uh, then they adjusted. And then uh, you saw Mike go, Mike Brown go small, and that was a great move on his part. And, um, you know, then, I, then I'm watching Steve and how his guys, uh, you could feel, as you stated, you could feel the experience. And the subtle little changes that they made, as Steph said, they ran a lot of pick and roll. And, uh, cause Sabonis doesn't handle the pick and roll defense very well. And, uh, you know, they got some great performances. Listen, there's a little luck involved that Fox had a broken finger and Hey, I'll take it to the bank. I am shocked that Sabonis didn't play better. I, I, he, as you said, he started out great, but, uh, he, he didn't have the series that uh, they needed uh, from him to get over the hump. And I have a wealth of respect for him. I think he's a terrific player. Uh, but it took, it took that experience that you're talking about on the road to get over the hump.
2: Let's take a look at some upcoming broadcasts presented by Ticketmaster. Game two tomorrow night at Chase Center against the Lakers, 5.30 on the air, 6 p.m. tip time. 6 p.m., not 7 p.m. with Tim Roy and Tom Tolbert. That game is presented by Oracle. Game three Saturday at Crypto.com, 5 p.m. airtime, 5.30 tip time with Tim Roy and Jim Barnett. Game four Monday at the Crypt. 6.30 airtime, 7 p.m. tip time. Game 5, if necessary, would be Wednesday, May 10th, back at Chase Center. That is presented by CarMax. Time to be determined. And then Game 6, Friday, back down south in L.A. Game time to be determined, of course. Game 6 would also be, if necessary. Talking Game 2 now as we take a look forward to the rest of this series. And potential adjustments for the Warriors to make let's let's start with, with this question how much small ball do you think the Warriors will use going forward because their starting five unit of Steph Clay Wiggs Draymond and Looney was so good in the Sacramento series but they were minus five in game one and then it was that small ball unit of Steph Poole Clay Wiggins and Draymond that made the run late well
1: I'll be honest with you and Draymond said it today. Uh, it wasn't his best game. And what you're looking at is Wiggins guarding LeBron and Looney guarding Davis, which you normally would think that Draymond is going to be, you know, just running free and going to be a helper in a lot of different ways. And uh, he didn't have his best night. And with that said, that gives me a little more thought that maybe they will go more to the small lineup with either Looney or Green at the five. And uh, and you and I touched on it before. I think another thing, we're going to see the ball in Steph's hands more uh, early. Uh, and that's not to say that they won't run point forward with Draymond or uh, whatever. But um, I, just, I just got a hunch that might be coming to fruition tomorrow.
2: Yeah, no. Uh, just the way that that unit played, it was really impressive. the stretch, of course, it, it was responsible for the fourteen nothing run to tie things up. Steph had been bottled up for so much of that game, and then he just absolutely exploded there late in the fourth quarter. All right, how, how about this? What else we saw late in the fourth quarter? The, the Warriors use a little zone. It's first time we had seen it in the game. How much zone should the Warriors use?
1: Well, I don't see a problem with it because they're a suspect three point shooting team. Yeah. So that from that standpoint it's good. But anybody that's played the game or coached it knows you're vulnerable rebounding uh, when you play zone. You you you're not able to go you, you box out people in your area instead of having a designated guy in man to man that you're responsible to get. Uh, but the zone has been good to them this year. And it, it's a very, very good change of pace. And the, one of the reasons the Warriors are good at it is they understand the strengths and weaknesses of the player in their area. So, for example, if uh, Vanderbilt's in the, in the corner, you don't have to go crazy running out to him. Now, I do have to eat some crow because he did make a big one was that in the third or fourth quarter last night in the corner? Yeah, in the second half. Uh, but yeah. in general, you know the scouting report. And, and as the series goes on, you know tendencies better and better and better. And uh, you understand who you don't have to get out on is tough.
2: And uh, so it, it, it definitely could be a, a wild card. All right, we'll take a break. When we come back, we'll take a look at some more potential game two adjustments and a look around the NBA right here on 95 7 The Game.
0: Kevin Dana and Gary St. Jean are holding court. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth at the Warriors Roundtable. You can't handle the truth. Curry, screened by Draymond. Curry gets free for three. He got it on ninety-five-seven. The game. Now back to Kevin Dana and Gary
2: St. Jean. <laughs> Welcome back to Warriors Roundtable on 95.7 The Game. Got about seven minutes to take your calls before we're done for the night. If you want to hit us up, sneak on in here, 888-957-9570. Gary, let's continue on with potential game two adjustments. And another thing that you might have heard if you were listening to the end of uh, Willard and Dibs, a question that has been thrown out a lot and I think it's because we saw how the fourth quarter went after how the third quarter went, how much more would you play Steph on the ball? Cause Jared Vanderbilt, when he was guarding him, did a great job of denying him touches. I mean, right. especially in the third quarter when he only got up three shots and Steve Kerr on Willard and dibs earlier said that's something he gives Steph the freedom to do kind of decide how he wants to play. How would you like to see this go down?
1: Yeah, I'd definitely like to see him on the ball. Kind of like it was in the Sacramento game. And uh, you know what? I just think that he's driving the bus when he's up top there. And uh, obviously, he can give it up. And a lot of people around the league think he's even more dangerous when he's moving without the ball. So uh, I just think in their pick-and-roll coverage, the vulnerability of their big, that he can create some nice shots for himself. Uh, Another simple tactic... You look at matchups and you look at strengths and weaknesses, and we haven't seen yet. But I won't be surprised if in uh, in this game tomorrow on the right box we see Clay go down there against Reeves. Um, okay, he's good down there. And what I'm going to say to you is, being right-handed, he turns right shoulder to the baseline, and uh, a guy who's not that strong to root him off the box. Uh, can't really bother him, and he's got enough size. It's been good to him in the past, and it's a way to get him going. He's really good down there. The other guy who's surprisingly good down there on the other box is, uh, is Wiggins. He, he's really good yeah. on the box. So, again, depending on who's matched up with him. Uh, those are the things you got to look for in, in, in these kind of series where you're going to play every other day. Uh, you really get to know the strengths and weaknesses of the opponent and how you want to attack.
2: Yeah, I think that's one thing you touched on it with putting Clay and Wiggins on the low block is that, yeah, the Warriors are a very good three-point shooting team. Not sure if you want them shooting 53 threes every game, and yes, they did hit 21, <laughs> but... And you're worried about Anthony Davis inside, LeBron James, and the rim protection, Jerry Vanderbilt as well. I mean, they had 10 blocks as a team, uh, and Sacramento averaged like a little more than four blocks per game in that seven-game series. But you still want to test those guys inside. you got to be a little more creative, I guess, would be the way to go about it, just doing it in a different way than than how the Warriors attack the paint last night how how about a couple of guys that maybe we see more in this series and I want to start with Jonathan Kaminga because we haven't seen him in quite some time it it kind of felt like after game two when he had that rough second quarter stretch to start the second quarter he got scored on uh, like 10 straight points or something was a minus 10 in like three or four minutes that we really haven't seen him since. But it feels, Gary, like this is a series that could suit him a little better than Sacramento. I mean, this is a guy who has guarded LeBron. He's guarded Jason Tatum. He did uh, both well, you know, in certain stretches of the game, uh, certain stretches this season. And he's a guy who really gets up to take on big defensive challenges. That's something we saw in his second season. And when he's locked in defensively, he could be a real problem for teams.
1: Well, I, I totally agree with that, and, and you and I sitting in our chairs can easily say that, but when you're coaching the game uh, and you got an inexperienced guy, you're a little suspect right there. Yeah. We saw last night that they went with Green, and he knocked down a couple threes. He's pretty good from there. I think he's around 38%. We know he'll he lay is. the lumber on people. He's got some good experience that way. So that tells me right now that they, they're taking him over Kaminga, but you, you very well could be right. You know, there's another technique that, that some teams used in the old days that you try to set a pick on, on the shot blocker, meaning you you subtly get somebody to get down there with a responsibility to screen Davis. And uh, he's not one that's going to fight through a lot of contact so that if you can get some some body on him, you might create some space for your teammates to score down there because they're going to have to reach for every everything that they've got in their bag to handle uh, the way he's playing.
2: Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned Jamichael Green because I'd like to continue to see eight to ten minutes of Jamichael Green in yeah. this series. I mean, the, the Lakers dared him to shoot. They, they let him have whatever he wanted from downtown. He went two of four from downtown, and you mentioned the stat, Gary. He was 38% from three this year. I know he was high 20s last year with Denver, but... Taking that year out, he is generally a mid to high thirties three point shooter over the course of what is now a nine year NBA career, and he really played much better as the season progressed. He had the staff infection in December, it took him a little while to to get going, but after that, I thought Jamichael uh, really did some nice things in the regular season, and he did some nice things last night. I, I think this is a series where I would certainly like to see him play, you know, eight to ten minutes every game if that's what Steve Kirk calls for.
1: isn't that a great example of uh, being a guy coming off the bench and the old expression, you better be ready because you never know when the coach is going to look down there and call your number. Uh, You know, obviously when they had their uh, walkthrough or their meetings, uh, video sessions, they talked about uh, get ready. You're going to, you're going to see some minutes here because they're much bigger. So we need some more size on the floor. It's easy. It was easier to go small against Sacramento. And uh, he responded in, in great veteran fashion. And, and that's what you're going to need off the bench because, uh, listen, I, I love the effort of, of Peyton and, and, you know, the shot blocking that he brings and all that kind of thing. And, and, yeah. and you love DiVincenzo. But uh, somebody's got to get make a few baskets for you coming off the yep. bench. And Poole did that. But you need, you need another guy too. So that, that would be a
2: big positive. It certainly would. Well, we have run out of time here on Warriors Roundtable on 95.7 The Game. Big thank you to Mark Grandy running the show behind the scenes. For Gary St. Jean. I'm Kevin Dan. We'll talk to you next week. And don't forget to tune in to 95.7 The Game tomorrow night starting at 5.30 with Tim Roy and Tom Tolbert on the call for Game 2. Thanks for tuning in, folks. Have a great rest of your Wednesday evening. <laughs>
0: You've been listening to the Warriors Roundtable. Curry brings it through, one hand, three, up and good! On the exclusive home of your Golden State Warriors. That play and nailed it! 95-7, the game. For tickets, call 888-GSW-HOOP.